I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Christianity Today by Mark Galley. Trump should be removed from office. It's time to say what we said 20 years ago when a president's character was revealed for what it was. In our founding documents, Billy Graham explains that Christianity Today will help evangelical Christians interpret the news in a manner that reflects their faith. The impeachment of Donald Trump is a significant event in the history of our republic, and it requires comment. The typical CT approach is to stay above the fray and allow Christians with different political convictions to make their arguments in the public square, to encourage all to pursue justice according to their convictions and treat their political opposition as charitably as possible. We want CT to be a place that welcomes Christians from across the political spectrum and reminds everyone that politics is not the end and purpose of our being. We take pride in the fact, for instance, that politics does not dominate our homepage. Speaking of... Because this article went up about 40 minutes ago, their homepage is down. (laughs) That said, we do feel it necessary from time to time to make our own opinions on political matters clear. Always, as Graham encouraged us, doing so with both conviction and love. We love and pray for our president as we love and pray for our leaders, as well as ordinary citizens on both sides of the political aisle. Let's grant this to the president. The Democrats have had it out for him from day one. And therefore, nearly everything they do is under a cloud of partisan suspicion. This has led many to suspect not only motives, but facts in these recent impeachment hearings. And no, Mr. Trump did not have a serious opportunity to offer his side of the story in the House hearings on impeachment. He declined to come. Um, sorry. I know, it bothers me every single time. <laughs> I'm like, um, he, he could have. He chose he, that. He literally he chose, chose it. He chose to grandstand from Twitter. Okay, I'm going to keep going. But the facts in this instance are unambiguous. The president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the president's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution. More importantly, it is profoundly immoral. The reason many are not shocked about this is that this president has dumped down the idea of morality in his administration. He has hired and fired a number of people who are now convicted criminals. He himself has admitted to immoral actions in business and his relationship with women, about which he remains proud. His Twitter feed alone, with its habitual string of mischaracterizations, lies, and slanders, is a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused. Do they think they're like Nathan the Prophet right now? I think they do. Okay. Trump's evangelical supporters have pointed to his Supreme Court nominees, his defense of religious liberty and his stewardship of the economy, among other things, as his achievements that justify their support of the president. We believe the impeachment hearings have made it absolutely clear in a way that the Mueller investigation did not that President Trump has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed his constitutional oath. The impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's moral deficiencies for all to see. This damages the institution of the presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and future of our people. None of the president's positives can balance the moral and political danger we face under a leader of such grossly immoral character. This concern for the character of our national leader is not new in CT. In 1998, we wrote this, the president's failure to tell the truth, even when cornered, rips at the fabric of the nation. This is not a private affair. For above all, social intercourse, hot. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> is built on a presumption of trust. Trust that the milk your grocer sells you is wholesome and pure. Trust that the money you put in your bank can be taken out of the bank. Trust that your babysitter, firefighters, clergy, and ambulance drivers will do all their best, will all do their best. And while politicians are notorious for breaking campaign promises, while in office they have a fundamental obligation to uphold our trust in them and live by the law. And this, unsavoring dealings and immoral acts by the president and those close to him have rendered this administration morally unable to lead. Unfortunately, the words that we applied to Mr. Clinton 20 years ago apply almost perfectly to our current president. Whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote next election, that is a ma matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. To the many evangelicals who support, continue to support Mr. Trump in, in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this, remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. Consider what an unbelieving world will say when you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behavior in the cause of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Where have we heard that before? Right. Can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated, and with the same straight face say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end? We have reserved judgment on Mr. Trump for years now. Some have criticized us for our reserve, but when it comes to condemning the behavior of another, patient charity must come first. <laughs> I'm, okay. Uh, sorry. Um, so we have done our best to give evangelical Trump supporters their due, to try to understand their point of view, to see the prudential nature of so many political decisions they have made regarding Mr. Trump. To use an old cliche, it's time to call a spade a spade to say that no matter how many hands we win in this political poker game, we are playing with a stacked deck of gross immorality and ethical incompetence. That's a mixed card metaphor, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and just when we think it's time to push all our chips to the center of the table, that's when the whole game will come crashing down. It will crash down on the reputation of evangelical religion and on the world's understanding of the gospel and it will come crashing down on a nation of men and women whose welfare is of also our great concern. Mark Galley is editor-in-chief of Christianity Today. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. I have so many thoughts. Wow. Wow. We weren't going to cover this, but this happened as we were preparing for our other topic. So um, let's take a little detour on this one. Yeah. Wow. That's from Christianity Today. Like, I am shocked in, like, a good way. Like, I'm I was, I'm surprised. I was watching the, the vote live with a, a former quiverful friend last night. Mm -hmm. um, she was FaceTiming me and we were talking. And one of the things that she was like, she's like, is what is going to, what is it going to take for them to, like, finally like see it yeah like what is it going to take for there to finally be a line and i said i think it depends on how he reacts like if he doubles down in his defense like i think that's going to look bad mm -hmm. and they're not going to like that like yeah. the, the evangelicals 
don't mind you doing wrong as long as you're contrite about it. Right. Yeah. As long as you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll try to do better. You can do whatever right. you want. If there's contrition. Well, I mean, obviously he's not going to admit guilt because, you know, he wants to be able to defend himself in the Senate. Right. But like contrition and humility go a long way in that community mm-hmm. to get them to overlook things. Yeah. And and I think it's interesting that this is what it took. Like, clearly this man has, what is it, 23 or 43? I don't remember which number is, is most recent. But it's a lot. Accus- accusations of sexual assault and rape. Yeah. Like, credible individual accusations. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't enough. No. But... The constitution. This is this is on the whole city on hill stuff. Like the constitution is functionally a biblical document mm-hmm. in their mind, and if he's violating that in the way they understand it, then that's a line that they'll they'll cross. Right. They won't cross. Yeah. Well, that in like conjunction with other things, like how he reacts to being called on his like wrongdoing. Hmm. Right, he like as I said, like the the reference to uh, King David and to uh, the prophet mm-hmm. uh, Nathan, like they have compared flawed leaders to King David before, but King David definitely like made an effort to repent, right, when he was called on his shit. So who knows how sincere that was, but. Like, Trump is not that guy. No. No. Trump does not do that at all. Wow. Yeah. Like, I've, I feel like finally they have figured it out. Like, I've been, I've been wondering how long it was going to go. And if they were, like, I even, I, I doubted they were even going to get there. Like, but Christianity, does Christianity today even still have any credibility in that community? Like, is that actually going to make a difference? I mean, their server's down. So it's True. hitting a nerve somewhere. Whether it's like a good kind of wake up call or it's just going to like make them lose their base mm-hmm. kind of remains to be seen. But it's definitely like stirring some shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's bringing up all sorts of things. Man, oh, man. Yeah. That's just like, wow. And, and like that, that's sort of like the the point that I've been kind of holding is like for, for evangelicals, like Trump's whole thing and their support of Trump hook, line and sinker, like totally backfires on their on their witness like Mm -hmm. it 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 is just totally incompatible yeah yeah. well and that's the thing it's like when if you're looking to be a true believer you can't actually support him right and a lot of folks have like ignored that entirely which i think is also like like i kind of wonder and like i haven't looked into this at all but i kind of wonder if some of that is also why so many people are leaving the church because so many church leaders are just blindly following this like terrible, terrible person. Uh, the church exodus started way. Before oh yeah, no, it totally <laughs> did. But like, like the more recent, like over the last like three or four years, uh, exodus. I wonder how much of that 
is is part of people being like Christianity isn't compatible with like this ideology and Mm -hmm. I don't know there's no studies on it or anything but it's really interesting to me that Christianity today came out with this instead of being quiet it is really interesting yeah I don't I it's it's funny to me like this argument is basically what my mother said when the election rolled around and she was very uncomfortable with the fact that she voted for Hillary instead, but she was very, like, determined to stand her ground on that, like, moral witness point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she she didn't love the decision she had to make, right. but she made it along the lines of this argument already. Yeah. 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 Like, I also didn't love that decision, but it was better than fascism. So... <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. So it's 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 very, very interesting. And it's and it's interesting to watch it's interesting to watch an impeachment happen. Like one of my my first like current events memories was the Clinton yeah. impeachment. Like the whole conversation around what did Clinton do wrong mm-hmm. was my like introduction to the sex. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, so, you know, Hillary Clinton was a byword in our household of, you know, this morally complicated woman who they admired for standing by her man, but also, right. You know, uh, how dare children have health care. Yeah. They hated her for being a baby killer mm-hmm. is what they called her. Um, but then there's this, you know, Monica Linsky was also a byword. Right. Um, of what an immoral woman looked like. And of course, the conversation ended there. It was always scapegoating the women yep. and no conversation about uh, Clinton's decisions in this right. yeah. matter. And, well, you know, he's a man. <laughs> he can't help it. He has testosterone. <laughs> Uh yeah. So the <laughs> it's 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 interesting watching the other side of it being a Republican president who is being impeached and watching the Republicans mm-hmm. just completely malign the process when before they were all about it. Right. Yeah, that's what has like been my pet peeve this whole time is the republicans are like this is a partisan thing it's only democrats and i'm like my dudes either grow a fucking spine or get over yourselves <laughs> because you, you are the which reason I did before yeah. like I, I just I, I remember what happened i like yeah. how do you not remember what happened right like, like i i existed during clinton's impeachment and i remember how things were going down like this is ridiculous. They have been there. Many, many of them have been there since, like, before that point. This is their mm-hmm. second impeachment, too. Like, they should mm-hmm. remember. And, like, oh. Right. And so <laughs> e- even even if this does cost him the election, like, there's a, there's an element of, like, ni- like, neither of these situations were initially motivated by partisanship. Right. And um, the more you dig into the history of the Clinton one, like the more it becomes clear that that Ken Starr and his his lackeys were a hot mess. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, <laughs> like 
Like, I don't, like, I don't agree with Tulsi Gabbard, which is oh. getting to her, like, next bit, where she's just like, this is, this is partisan and we shouldn't be partisan. This is political and we shouldn't be political. This is, this is about do we want a democracy or not? Yeah, like that, I oh. don't think that was, in, that was less of an issue. With, right. Like, with Clinton, it was, it was about power and it was about misuse of power and it was about accountability and being above the law and lying. But he wasn't trying to undermine the, the democracy. The entire country. Right. He was trying to he was trying to protect his reputation. Right. Yeah. He wasn't like literally inviting for the entire American public to see another country to interfere with our elections for a it second wasn't a time. Brazen, yeah, it wasn't a brazen power grab. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I like I, I fundamentally do not understand how any Republican who takes themselves seriously can look at that obvious and clear violation of the oath of office and be like, no, I stand by this guy. <laughs> well, that's that, I mean, it's 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 the originalists like the the, the, the literal interpretation like of the original like the original intentions of the founding fathers like what? How do you miss this? Right. Yeah. Like, like if you guys are such like a historical purists, this should be your thing. Right. Like this is just like it is it is textbook. The reason we have the impeachment clause in the Constitution, like I will just read it because I, I copied it out. But mm -hmm. uh, in Article two, Section four, the line is. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And I don't know what part of asking a foreign nation to interfere in our elections for round two is not blatantly treason. Right. <laughs> like, and I, I forget I forget the exact term that's taken from English common law that is driving this, this clause. But, like, the, when, when the... The professors all came to give testimony mm -hmm. before the House. They talked about how the original text of this was a broader statute. Yeah. And they thought that that gave too much leeway to partisanship. And so they that's why they narrowed it down to treason, bribery, and other crime, high crimes and misdemeanors, which are not super generalized terms as, as they may sound. They are, they are like... They have a long history mm -hmm. in English common law. There's a lot of precedent for that. And, the, you know, there's impeachment for, comma, and conviction of. Like, right. so he's, you know, a lot of people are freaking out. Like, he's not going to be removed unless he's actually convicted by the Senate. And that's what's going to happen next. Yep. Is, well, I mean, it's not necessarily going to happen next. That's the next he's step. Be he's going to be tried in the Senate. Yeah. It's going to be a, a, a proper It'll trial. be really interesting to see if he bothers to show up for that. I have no idea what he's going to do. Like, this whole time, and, and there's just so much about this that angers me as, like, like the 15-year-old me who spent their entire, like, time schooling themselves just diving into like the constitution <laughs> because like he he has had every opportunity to be involved in this and at every opportunity he has stonewalled and said no and has stopped the process from working and all of his talking points are like oh woe is me i didn't have the opportunity to like at least his twitter's myself. manner of, of public record 
Yeah, thank fuck. <laughs> Jeez. And every every single Republican has bought that, and including non-Republicans, like fucking Tulsi, mm -hmm. is like, this isn't fair. The president didn't have an opportunity. He had every single opportunity. Okay, let's play that quote. Let's play, let's, yeah. let's play this quote. Politics should not be a zero-sum game, but tragically, that's exactly what it's become, and it's polluted the whole nature of our politics. The point of politics should not be about doing maximum damage to your opponents just to win, because all that's happened, as has in the case of our current America, is that people get hurt and nothing gets done. So my stance yesterday, my vote, was opting out of this zero-sum game mindset and back oh, shit, and compromise. We're stuck right now in this terrible scenario where everyone is trying to exact maximum hurt from their opponent for a quote-unquote win. My present vote was not passive. It was an active protest against the terrible fallout of this zero-sum mindset that the two opposing political parties have trapped America in. There's no winning here. Everyone is losing. Our country is losing. So if we, we, if we don't break this stalemate we find ourselves in, America's done for. My vote and my campaign for president is about freeing our country from this damaging mindset so that we can work side by side to usher in a brighter future for all Americans. But <laughs> I love I love that she captioned this video like that's like good accessibility manners. But the <laughs> the uh, composition prof slash copy editor in me is like wrinkling at the fact that she left a period outside of quotation marks. <laughs> so bad. And it's like, it's uh, the littlest thing and it means not, it's like, I met bitch eating crackers with her. Um, yeah. So I got to really like, Valid. you know, put, put a, my foot on that break there. But. <laughs> oh my God. My eyes rolled so far back into my head. Like. One, she needs to drop out of the race right now. And for context, we're recording this on the 19th before the presidential debates tonight. Yeah. Um, so who knows what that's going to be. I What I really want to see and what I will be angry about if it doesn't happen is I want to see everybody get on her for her vote because it is Yeah, that'll utterly be ridiculous. really interesting how that goes tonight. Um. I, it's so okay. So here, her her persona that she has cultivated, her her posture that she is doubling down on with this vote and with her defense of this vote is of the peacemaker, of the the veteran who is against conflict. Uh, you know, seen too much, wants to bring peace. The Krishna devotee. Hindu who wants to bring like love and acceptance and peace loving behaviors to politics. And that's right. that's got this that's got this like charming appeal for anyone who's like a white lady into yoga. Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah, that's that's extremely it. But if you don't understand like that actions actually have consequences, and that words mean things and beliefs have like like impact ramifications for human lives 
then it starts to look a whole lot less shiny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially given her history. So, like, briefly, she grew up in this, like, not quite Hindu, but sort of like some white man's Western bastardization of Hinduism. Mm. Um, that all worships this one dude named Krishna, except that he's not well, they, a Krishna. I don't know. Person. Worship is maybe the, the an inaccurate term. He they are they they call they consider him their guru and their teacher. Yes, they follow so, him. So they follow him, and this his dude English named Chris Butler. Yeah, Chris Butler. His English name is Chris Butler. Yeah, I I can't pronounce his other name um there's so many she as recently as 2015 and we'll put a a link to the youtube video up um there was a conference that she uh spoke at through video chat and she name dropped him as her guru in that video and i think that's important to know and in that video and you'll you'll get to this later but in that video she is immediately following a uh, statement by the i guess it's the current prime minister of india yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing about this cult she grew up in, it's called uh, the Science of Identity or Science of Identity. And um, it's like very homophobic and very fascist and very extremely like right wing, honestly. And her dad had a radio show called Let's Talk Straight Hawaii that was entirely <laughs> about how gay people are bad. Well, wait, wasn't it part of a... Hang on, I'm trying to find the link for it. It was part of a... It was part of a campaign. Yeah. A political campaign called uh, Ending Something... Oh, damn it, where did it go? It was, yeah, it was like ending... um, Where where did it go? Where's the link? (laughs) Homosexual something. It's in the... Mike Gabbard. Okay, here we go. Let's Talk Straight Hawaii was the name of his show, and it was part of a organization that her father founded called Stop Promoting Homosexuality Hawaii, which was later renamed to be Stop Promoting Homosexuality International, Um, Stop Promoting Homosexuality America, and the Alliance for Traditional Marriage and Values. He became well-known for his advocacy for Hawaii Constitutional Amendment Number Two, um, which is a Defense of Mar- Marriage Act uh, knockoff, basically. Oh yeah, I remember um, that. So her, her father, by the way, we're, we're jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit. Her father was a state senator in Hawaii. Right. So this is part of the the connection to this, um, or her connection to politics. Right. She was not just raised in this religious group, but she was basically insulated within it as a homeschooled child. And this is where our connection to her her belief system comes in. She was homeschooled and yeah. has gone on this trajectory where she's basically stayed ideologi- ideologically the same up until... Recently, when she, like, I think it was early last year, where she, like, backtracked on her homophobic statements from before and, like, kind of, like, was, like, distancing herself from her father's history of homophobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which we all and, know and, we all know what that means. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's weird to me because like reading about Tulsi, it was like if I had like stayed actively involved in politics after um, Teen Pact and after getting married and didn't have any experience outside of my like religious political active upbringing, I would basically be what Tulsi. Is. Oh yeah, no, there's there's. There's a lot of resonance with her story because, I mean, at a certain point in high school, I mean, I I was never really committed to this idea, but I definitely had a couple of years where I was jokingly saying I was going to join the Marines mm-hmm. um, because free college and that's a class warfare issue and we'll, you know, not get into that, um, <laughs> but different episode, <laughs> different episode. but Um, eventually what deterred me from joining the Marines, um, my aunt had joined the Marines and that was part of the appeal, um, was that I just became friends with a Mennonite and ended up becoming a pacifist. And so I can see this like track of like, she probably had a very similar Mm -hmm. theological journey. Like, yeah. doesn't have to be Christian, but the same kind of, like, we are raised in this to change the culture. I'm homeschooled. I have this one identity. I am, like, going to, like, live for the purposes of reflecting well on this belief system. And so the military uh, has a lot of the same dynamics of, of a cult. Like, yep. we can talk for forever about like the PTSD from basic training and the PTSD from our upbringing and how similar those those experiences are just basic training is concentrated but I can I can just spent her whole life being like prepared to deal with if if I had to but if I had followed that trajectory if I had like actually signed up if I had gone to Patrick Henry College, if I had done ROTC all through college, if I had done all the things that I had originally planned on doing, mm-hmm. I probably would be her. Like, I, this is, this is, yes, this is very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, like, I feel like a lot of people, if they've done any research on Tulsi, are like, how? <laughs> how does that, how does that happen? How do you not, like... How, how are you still a member of the same cult you grew up in and, like, really kind of well, it hasn't powerful, hurt her yet. connected to all these people? Exactly. And that's the thing. So I think a lot of a lot of these articles that we were reading on her and all, a lot of these, like, commentaries on Tulsi seem to come across with this, like, conclusion of, like, she's reserved, she's cold, she's stiff, like, we don't get, like, she's robotic, like... There's all of these these terms that get thrown around for her. And I think that's reflective of someone who is deeply self-controlled because they are afraid of themselves if they were to alter yeah. their belief system and step outside of it. And it, oh, yeah. it would cost her everything. I mean... It would. And so it's not beneficial to her to leave. And even if she does want to leave and like, is starting to distance herself publicly, like, 
you can't just walk away. You can say, oh, well, I'm having to do this for my campaign. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah, we understand, but you're coming back. Yes, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think she's actually had the time to process it. I don't think she's no. actually had the space or the liberty or um, a moment of consequence. And I mean consequences for herself where her beliefs right. You know, crossed with her best interests and hurt her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she went from like homeschooled in this cult to um, being elected the state of Hawaii's youngest representative in a cult to the military in a cult, which is also a cult itself. So it was like a double cult to then running for u.s office and then running for president while still like knee deep in this cult and her family is like also knee deep in this cult and if she if she does anything to anger that one thing that's been in her life since before she was born she does she loses yeah and we uh, we we know (laughs) we know what it's like to be the favorite child yep and to have all of your parents dreams put upon you and all those expectations put upon you I feel like she's got that um, that weight on her shoulders. Yeah. Her father's political career never got to where he wanted it to, and she's mm-hmm. carrying the torch for him now. And I feel like, like, regardless of whether or not she herself is actually, like, really believes in this, I don't think she would do it if she didn't actually want this. But to an extent, there's this, like chain of command that she has inherited her her yeah her political ambitions from definitely man she just frustrates me so much (laughs) just god like every 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 time that i just like hear anything she says i'm just so she's always giving me a visceral reaction even before I knew that she was homeschooled because there was just something that was like really familiar about her. Yeah. Oh but yeah. In like the worst way. Okay. Well, and... let's 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 like pause real fast and like revisit like the criteria of a cult to make sure like our listeners understand why we think she's in a cult. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So we have Chris Butler who has created a subsect of. Uh, Christian devotees um, that historically has had extreme views that he has touted. He has been violently anti-homosexual in a lot of his teachings. I think most of those videos have been pulled from the internet. He's not been seen in public since the 80s. So he's created himself as a limited commodity. Um... There's this, so when you have a person, like a charismatic personality who is dominating your belief system, that's one of the signs of a cult. Um, I believe at some point in my reading about him, I I think he discouraged his followers from visiting India, which is kind of weird, yep. super weird, and and is uh, reflects another point that is a, a symptom of a cult where you're afraid of outside influence um Mm -hmm. infecting your teachings and like diluting your control 
Well, he also also taught that public schools are bad mm-hmm. and will, like, you know, train your children the wrong way. So there was also – that's where the homeschooling Right, and so in. that's that's where you get the whole uh, abusers isolate bit. Yeah. Um, and, and so then there's, you know, this idea of what happens if you leave. Now, we can't see that clearly because we don't have, like – a, a clear-cut conversation with a an ex-SIF right. follower available to us. I'm sure they're out there. Um, there's a forum that people are posting on that I'll, we'll link to that's got some, some conversations about what that might be like. But she's hiring weird people for her campaign and making waves because she's hiring people who are cult-affiliated and don't have a lot of like experience that would mm-hmm. qualify them for the roles that they were being hired for. Right. And that is symptomatic of like not having a broader network that you trust. And so yeah. again, this is an indication that she hasn't left. Um, and yeah, that the consequences like- of her leaving would be severe. She's constantly surrounding herself with people to reinforce this mindset and this belief system. Yeah, she's she has never in her thirty-eight years left the bubble of influence that is this cult. Mm-hmm. Like her her husband was part of this cult, mm-hmm. um, is still her her family, obviously. Her chief of staff was someone who's also part of the cult who like managed a store in the cult like they had like a Apparently chain they of like stores. yeah, they run a chain of health food stores and that's part of their like uh, recruiting mechanism. Yep. Yeah. And so that's her chief of staff now who who never had any like experience being a chief of staff in politics before right. at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. She just everyone is from this group. Right. And so one of the things that's super interesting about her in addition to all of this is her apologism for dictators. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the things that like outsiders who don't understand the cult dynamics like they flag immediately as like wow that's weird she hung out with Assad like she went on a fact-finding mission and met Assad of Syria and has not apologized for that and like I accepted a wedding gift from Modi who is the prime minister of India who is like encouraging anti-Muslim sentiment and building up a case to, like, disenfranchise Muslim citizens in India. Yeah, he just tried to enact and, like, somewhat succeeded a, like, Muslim ban on immigration, basically, and is giving priorities to Christians to come to India. So these things that she... Or Hindus, rather. These associations that she has, it's interesting to me that she is so... uh, I mean, okay... Like, let's back up. Let's just put a pause on on the political elements and the facts of this. Yeah. Let's, like, talk about what happens when you're trying to leave an abusive relationship. Yes. You go through these cycles of um, of being like, this is not that bad. I just finished reading um, Kelly Sundberg's uh, Goodbye, Sweet Girl, which is a memoir of an abusive marriage and leaving that husband. And mm. it's very good. Um, I related a lot to it. Um, and 
one of the things that she says at one point is like she's on the brink of leaving. Her husband has broken her foot. Oh my God. And she is like seeing a domestic violence intake uh, social worker at a mm-hmm. shelter in her town. And she's a, like, you know, like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to qualify for your help. Like, and they're like, well, income levels qualify you for sure. And like, we have this documentation. She's like, I don't know. Maybe it's not that bad. You probably see well, a lot worse cases than I, you know. And the woman kind of looks at her and it's like, no, you, this is very bad. <laughs> and like this, this, this idea of you are able because you're so intimate with your abuser to see them as a human and not as a one-sided perpetrator of violence. And so it's very difficult to retain your boundaries because you see the potentially good person that they could be. And the goodness that they intend to bring to the relationship and continue to fail in. And it's easy to justify staying because you don't, want to give up on the hope of them changing right and i feel i suspect that's a little bit of what's happening here with the dictators like she's been around these tyrannical charismatic men her entire life and has um put herself in a mentee position to the guru who is a cult leader and is following in her father's footsteps in politics and these are, you know, men who have encouraged really aggressively violent ideologies. Yep. And so if you're that close to these men, why wouldn't you be able to also, like, feel the same empathy that you feel for those men with a horrific genocidal dictators? <laughs> right. Yeah, because if all you've known are people who sprout, like, that these kind of, like, genocide is fine if it's people who aren't like us, like, then you'll meet other people who also do that, and you're like, this is normal, this is fine. This, this is, is not exactly that bad because they in. intend I don't good. know what's wrong. Yeah, they intend yeah. they intend good things. And so I think that may also, I, don't, I mean, I'm speculating, obviously, but I, I wonder how much that plays into her vote last night. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, I feel like that's a factor, and also the fact that, like, people have asked her point blank if these people are bad, and she can't bring herself to say that. She she entirely goes around answering that question. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, kind of, and obviously, this is just speculation, because I don't know Tulsi, but, like, I feel like that's just, like, very reflective of the fact that if if she really tried to address that and address why she felt that way it would bring her entire world down mm-hmm. right like she, if she said yes Assad is bad for these things then she'd have to do the thinking of like all of the other men that she would she have to draw to a line with thing. everybody else yeah. yeah yeah and so that's I think that's why her you know her peace loving persona is really what what is I think technically called toxic positivity, which is mm-hmm. this like we're going to um, gloss over everything because we want to assume the best, and yeah. intentions really matter more than actual actions. 
And it's basically like Marianne Williamson's thing, except like worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. More violent. More violent. Yeah. Um, what else did you want to comment on? It's uh, it's a lot here. Yeah, we 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 took we did a lot. Um, she's yeah, she's fine with the fash. Um, <laughs> Robert Evans did a really 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 good episode on this on the podcast called the worst year ever yeah um which is a different thing from behind the bastards and he like dived into her connections with modi and assad and the uh science of identity right and he he specifically studies uh fascist leaders and so that's that's a really good resource for for learning more about why this is a significant problem yeah it's it's a really long episode it's also really good and covers more than i want to cover about Mm -hmm. her cult connection um besides just holy shit she grew up in a cult and this is what that looks like for her on the inside kind of is more of the take that i feel like we have relevant information about Mm mm-hmm yeah, and yeah, she's totally, totally down um, in the sense of refuses to call out bad behavior from, like, obviously terrible dictating people. Right, I think there's a difference between, I mean, in effect, there's not, but in her mind, there is, and in the minds of people like this, there's a difference right. between being totally down as in like, yes, I'm all in and like here for this and like, well, I'm open-minded and I want to hear all perspectives. Like, and this is part of the problem. Like, empathy and listening to people are really, really important. I am not knocking that. But uh, you have to. Yeah, I mean, it's like like when you say the person is political and people are like, bad politics is it shouldn't, you know, like it shouldn't end friendships. Like, I'm sorry when somebody's right to live becomes a question, then you have to start drawing lines. And, you know, I had this, I don't know, I've just had this interaction with so many people this last year where it's been like someone is actively harming someone we know and we care about and it's based on these like fraught ideologies. Mm -hmm. And everybody has just been like, Mm, I don't really feel like uh, taking a stand on that because I don't like conflict. And it's not... (laughs) Sure, conflict might be out of the equation, but you are effectively choosing a side by doing that. Yeah, exactly. You are exacerbating whoever is being victimized in that situation. Yeah, yeah. You are, by by not choosing, you are still actually choosing the abusive person because you're not doing anything to even acknowledge that there's abuse there. Like you don't, you don't even necessarily have to confront someone about it, but like if you're not even willing to acknowledge there is a problem, you have chosen a side. Yeah. And, and then there's this, there's this whole other element here and I I won't really get into it too deeply, but I'm really grateful to see some progressive activists starting to um, look more into like uh, integrated accountability structures for Mm -hmm. situations within communities where someone is hurting someone and someone is stepping out of line. 
Um, and instead of, you know, doing a Twitter pile on and like ostracizing them, they're encouraging people to take steps to like go through a more intimate, intimate accountability process that allows for the potential for re-education and mm-hmm. for growth. And, yeah. and, and I'm really a big fan of that model. I've always been um, interested in those kinds of methods of engagement um, as long as people are, are sincere and willing to grow. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not the same as holding a dictator accountable right. for like killing thousands exactly. of thousands of their citizens. Yeah. And that's really where Tulsi is like n- conflating ideas. Yeah. Like yeah. she may yeah. be interested in these kinds of, you know, restorative justice ideas, but you can't, you have to draw a line. Do, you don't do that for fascist dictators who commit genocide. Like there are boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> You can't you you can't rescue everyone, and the ones who have like happily slaughtered thousands of people are not really the ones that you should spend your time trying to rescue. They should just mm-hmm. pay for what they fucking did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's not hard. It's it's like it's like the lowest lowest of bars, which is why she really needs to drop out, and people have to be harassing her. She for needs this. to drop out, and she needs to like get herself an anchor position on Fox News yesterday like she's been intending for this entire time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she needs to she needs to leave the Democratic Party because she's like she, so like Kamala's a cop and she's terrible. We know this. But, but misogynoir we'll misogynoir did do damage to her that is irreparable oh, and absolutely. like we, those both of these things exist at the same time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like the way she's treated and the racism that she's had to face is totally awful and and totally also a thing that can exist at the same time as she's a cop and really bad at tr- for like trans people. Right. Um, but like the thing that is the most dangerous, I feel about Tulsi, is that she is basically a very uh, like fascist friendly like nationalist in the disguise of a progressive Democrat, mm-hmm. and people are starting to see that, but the fact that she's still in the race bothers me. <laughs> but and when she's to, like, beautiful not... and well-spoken, people are going to overlook anything because they're right. not critically thinking. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is why she's so dangerous. Yeah. Is because people will overlook the words that she's saying because she sounds nice and she looks pretty and she says the right words, <laughs> but doesn't have the record to back that up at all. Right. So I repeat what I said last night when she voted present Tulsi, Tulsi is a codfish. Yes. <laughs> if you don't get that joke, it's referencing um, the end of Peter Pan where they're going around chanting hook is a codfish. And if, if you haven't seen Peter Pan, I am impressed. <laughs> Some people because didn't even get I it. I saw I, Peter Pan. I, 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 yeah, no, I wrote, I, yeah, no, I saw, I saw the, what is it, Mary, what's her name, um, version yeah. of Peter Pan years and years before. I mean, I saw both of them. I saw all of them. But um, yeah. I didn't see Hook until last year, but that's another story. Uh, but I posted on Facebook, Tulsi is a codfish, and somebody 
didn't get the reference and I was very confused. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have that cultural touchstone. Don't ruin it for me. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. Okay, so we did a cold open and we didn't really chat much. How have you been? Uh, Better now-ish, kind of. I had a hellish time at my psychiatrist appointment. And the reason we're so late on this episode is because last week I was so sick that my brain felt like mush and like it was slushing out of my ears and I was just like asleep for three days. Mm. Sleep um, is good. But yeah, and um, I'm going to be in Akron and Cleveland, Ohio from like December 26th to like the 6th of January. So if any of our friends live around there and want to get coffee or something um you should email us and let me know yeah and i'm gonna be in pittsburgh this weekend so i'm excited oh about that. so fun yeah uh, i desperately i'm leaving to Bar- desperately need to go like be around my people um yes i finished my semester finally turned in all my grades sunday night um have been catching up on my freelance work which is part of the delay and recording i just had to sleep <laughs> i had to sleep and then i had to like scramble to get everybody the edits I owed them um Mm -hmm. which has been great like all of my clients have been so so patient and wonderful and I've really enjoyed working with all of them it's been a really good semester on the freelance front so that's nice yay uh yeah so I'm trying to make some decisions about what's next and uh do some revising and rewriting of of some old pieces that I've got in the hopper while I've got some time said that's nice yeah yeah um i do have one thing i want to raise if, if our listeners have had an experience with this we've been you and i have been talking about this and do you mind if i describe more about what it. happened yesterday yeah okay so um my sister and i at various points had gotten misdiagnosed with bipolar um by our psychiatrist during initial intake um conversations and it was never like formalized it's not in writing but it was Mm -hmm. like part of the conversation of like this sounds like bipolar are you sure you don't have that are you sure you don't have these symptoms like these symptoms sound a lot like it and and it's interesting because that's not an uncommon story that i've heard where complex ptsd has masqueraded as either Mm -hmm. borderline personality disorder um or bipolar and so has been misdiagnosed as one of the two um and you ran into that conversation yesterday yourself yeah it sucked yeah it was terrible right i even told her outright i have cptsd twice yeah so i would like to dig into this a little bit more i think this is i think there's a reported piece here and i'd like to interview or talk to anyone further who has had that experience if you're a practitioner and you've you've been on the other side of that i'd love to chat with you um or if you've been a patient who's who's struggled with getting the correct diagnosis because people are not familiar with complex ptsd please let me know please reach out reach out to our our email address kitchen table cult at gmail.com and i will set up a time to chat with you nice i like this yeah i think it's time it's important yeah <laughs> it just yeah. keeps coming up it's so it's so bad. Like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like I, I know which 
things my problems are. And that's not the thing. Just because, like, I hyper-focus and then crash mm. does not mean I have bipolar. Right, right. This is a symptom. <laughs> Just... Like, being being hypervigilant and triggered can look like mania. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, I've, I've, I actually know myself really well. Please believe me. I have done my research. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to you with explanations. Just listen to me. Yeah, it's really, it's really sketchy. Um... So another thing we want to bring attention to is, I know we mentioned this last episode, but we're uh, winding down our annual uh, fundraising drive for the Coalition for Responsible Home Education, which we're both on uh, involved with. I'm on the board. Kieran was on the board. Kieran's now staff. Their term ended. Yes. <laughs> and what are we, I think we're, what, 2,000 short still of our year-end goal? Yes. Yeah, we are very close, hoping to raise like $8,000 by the end of the year. And CRHE is a 501c3, so it's all tax deductible. So if you have like any of that cool matching program stuff or some money just burning a hole in your wallet that you want to give to an organization that does actual work and where it will like actually make a huge impact in like the lives of the staff mm-hmm. and the work that we're able to do for homeschooled kids donate to the coalition for responsible home education and this is really um, important because we're coming into the legislative session season for yes. state level legislatures and we've yep. been doing a lot of of laying groundwork with connecting with state level lawmakers to raise awareness about um the needs of homeschooled children and the rights uh, to education and like safe home environments um, and mm-hmm. lack of abuse that you know are often left out of the narrative when all of the homeschool parents from HSLDA will will flood the office with calls yeah uh, with constituent yep. calls so we really we really stand out we've been become the go to organization for journalists getting. Um, media quotes about homeschool legislative reform and homeschooling related issues and and abuse related to homeschooling um or that's been covered up by homeschooling so we're really gaining some good ground and and we need to keep this momentum going because yeah lives are at stake (laughs) basically literally literally actually the case yeah um so help us help us help the kids so that you know, we can get some protections in place in the next couple of years on the state level. That'd, yeah. That'd be kids, kids don't have to grow up homeschooled like we were. They can grow up homeschooled like, without abuse. They can grow abuse. up homeschooled <laughs> and have, like, an excellent education and a good, safe home environment and, like, not have to go through all that trauma. And not have CPTSD at the end of the story. Yes. Like, I just, I just want other homeschooled kids to like not have to go through all of that pain and mm-hmm. all of that trauma. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot. So, um, yeah, the, what is it? Responsible homeschooling.org is our website. Yep. Yep. So, uh, go check out, um, the homepage. You can donate straight from there. Um, and as Kieran said, it is a 501c3, so it is tax deductible. Yeah. We even email you a receipt and everything. So, Good. We're you supposed just have to. to hold on to it for taxes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Well, I know. It's not fancy. We're legally obligated just, to it. <laughs> yeah. We are legally obligated to do it, but I wrote the thank you email, so. Aww. Okay. Yeah. 
Thank you for all your <laughs> so hard work, you, Kieran. You want that? Yeah, and yeah. actually, actually, let's let's put it let's put a cap on this with saying that because you're staff now, you get paid a very small fraction yeah. of the hour for you get paid for a very small fraction of the hours that you put in doing work like that. Yes, I don't get paid yeah. because I'm on the board and I'm not doing that kind of day to day task based work. Um, but you do, and so that would help your financial situation overall as well. It would. My dream is to like be able to work full time for CRHE. We're not close to being able to do that right now, mm-hmm. but that's like that is what I want to do with my life. I am currently the director of outreach, mm-hmm. which means that I oversee our volunteers. Um, I onboard them. I give them tasks. I tell them they're doing awesome. Um, and also the development of the chapter program. Right, which is really important was, for that yes, that state-level organizing work that we're trying to get going. Yeah, and both of these are, like, full-time things I am spending a lot of energy on, and I am not getting paid for that work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if, if you donate to CRHA, you enable that to happen, not just for me, but for people, our, our people who are doing our research. We have a like peer-reviewed research paper coming out early January, Mm -hmm. which is huge. And we interface a lot with with people who either want to homeschool or have questions about homeschooling or are concerned about someone they know homeschooling. Across the board of homeschool problems, we answer those questions, we do the research, and yeah, we like actually are, are doing a lot of work and making a lot of progress. And it would be awesome to be able to pay like, our staff for their time that they're putting into this. Fair compensation would be really yeah, great. Yeah, it would be amazing. So sorry this went long, <laughs> but it's important. We wanted to take time for it. Um, you know, we this is a December thing, so just bear with us. Uh, and if you can't donate, at least maybe pass the link on to someone else who might be interested in doing that Share too. with your friends. Yeah. yeah. That'd be really wonderful. All right, thank you yeah. for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Um, the music on this episode is from the band The Heavens and their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Yay. Thank you, Dave, for all of this work that you also do. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have a really good holiday. I'm going to be in Northeast Ohio offline, so I'm excited. Reach out to me if you want to get coffee or something. <laughs> Sounds so great. All yeah. right. Take care. Bye. Bye.